I do want you to be aware of that. The world looks at you a bit differently when you are self-employed. They see you as a risk, which is mind-boggling to me because the riskiest thing I ever did was having a job, which when they laid me off without warning, I then could not pay for anything. I couldn't pay my credit card bill. I couldn't pay my car. I couldn't pay anything. But for some reason, that's just how the world works. Welcome to the Live, Work, Travel podcast. I'm your host, Michonne Thomas, a former middle school teacher who quit at 30 to become a six-figure freelancer and digital nomad instead. You're in the right place if you're ready to learn how freelancing can help you to work from anywhere, make great money, and live a life that you design. I'm sharing everything I've learned to get to where I am today in order to support you on your journey because this lifestyle is simply too good not to share. This episode, I want to talk about setting up your freelance business. So in a past episode, I talked about the five things that you needed to get started freelancing because a lot of times people overcomplicate it when they don't know, right? And they may think that you need more than you do. I know I did in the beginning. I was constantly saying, I don't have what it takes to get started. Turns out I did. Didn't need very much. The same can come true when you're thinking about all of the scary stuff about retirement and healthcare, which I address in a separate episode, or taxes and do I need to be form a business? And how do I get that going? And how do I do all these things? Well, the great thing is there's Google and you can also just sort of fumble along because it's not as scary as it seems. I just got started and figured it out as I went. So as is per usual in these a bit rambly episodes, sometimes I'm going to tell you how I did it. In the beginning, business type. You can start a business as a solopreneur. This is where you are just a single person doing a business, right? So when I first started out, I was just Mashawn Thomas. That was me. That's my business. You don't need any special paperwork to be a sole proprietorship in the United States. And yeah, I should just do a whole big caveat in here talking about I'm a US citizen. My business is based in the United States. Those are the only things I know about. So take everything with a bit of a grain of salt, but you can figure it out for your own country just simply by listening to my story and then adapting for what you need. The United States didn't need anything special. I believe the requirements are as soon as you accept payment for services, you are in business as a sole proprietor, right? So a kid who comes over and cuts your grass in the summertime, he's got a sole proprietorship business. He is the business. And you can start out like this. You can stay this for a while. You don't need any special paperwork. You don't even have to register as a business. You're just you. I recommend that you start this way. I did. And I recommend you stay this way for as long as possible because why not? Okay. There are very few downsides to this in the beginning because you're just getting your feet wet. You're just starting to do work for clients. Unless you're in a field that's you could really fuck up a client's business and life and they could sue you, (laughs) you just stick with it. When you want to think about changing, it depends on, at least for me, it depends on a couple things. You know, am I doing things for clients where my work could seriously impact their business in a negative way and they could come after me for it, which no, but also how much money am I making and how much smarter can I be about my taxes if I form an actual business structure? right? So for me, I was a sole proprietor for about two years. My first year when I had no idea what I was doing. And the second year when I realized that my accountant, God bless him, had no idea what he was doing. And then I went to another accountant, one who understood 
digital nomad and the life that I lead and what I, you know, much more about basically a young and hip accountant is what I needed and what I got. And we talked about the pros and cons and decided, yes, it was smarter to change my business structure from a sole proprietorship into an LLC, a limited liability corporation. Now I have multiple LLCs. Basically, I've been freelancing for five years. Two years, I was a sole proprietor. The last three years, I actually have a business and have been gone on to start several other businesses. You don't need to worry about it at the beginning. And when you do need to worry about it, you still don't, I would say. Because again, I talk about this multiple times in multiple episodes, sharing strengths and weaknesses. It is not in my best interest to go out and learn everything about business structure how to set up my corporation, all of those things. That's why I hire somebody who's specialized in doing that to do it for me and to explain it to me and to answer all of my questions until I'm satisfied and to just really be good at what he does, right? Love my accountant. That's what he does. He's great and he loves it. And I love that he loves it because I don't have to love it, right? So when it came time to create a new business structure, we talked about it, we sorted it out. He gave me the forms, he explained the forms, he answered a thousand questions, we filled everything out and got it done. It didn't take long. It didn't take a lot of money. It's really just about finding somebody who knows what they're doing and they walk you through the steps. So I can imagine that your path will probably be very similar. Start as you are, a few years down the road, talk to a good accountant, get your business structured the way that makes the most sense for you. Taxes can be super scary to think about. I mean, I hated thinking about my taxes when I was a W-2 employee. It just Uh, Who wants to, right? If you're not an accountant, who wants to think about taxes? Not me. So the first year I had a complicated situation. I'd been working for a company for part of the year. I got laid off and then had a period of unemployment for that year. Then I started freelancing for part of the year. So when it came to the end of the year, I was terrified that my taxes were going to be out of control. But part of this fear of this incredible tax mess had forced me to document everything. Now, it wasn't neat necessarily, but it was there. I just took everything and chucked it into a spreadsheet. And I saved papers and invoices and all these things. Literally showed up, you know, just like like the proverbial someone out of a cartoon going into an accountant's office with papers and stuff. I got stuff. I got stuff. I don't know what to do with the stuff, but I'm here and here sitting in front of you. Here I am with all of my stuff. Any question he asked, I had it somewhere. (laughs) But he was impressed, right? So I didn't know what to do that year. I'd always done my taxes myself using TurboTax, just as a regular person employed by a company. Or my ex-boyfriend's dad had done our taxes at some points, you know, and stuff. So I just didn't have a whole lot of experience. So I thought, okay, I don't know what I'm doing with these multiple types of employment over this year. So I'm just going to go to a company and have them do it for me. It was H&R Block, a very well-known company in the United States. Just walked in, got an appointment, sat down with this guy, a sweet, sweet guy. He was probably 60-something, just really nice. And he was really impressed with me. Just this girl that shows up with all this mess and she's sort of in the freelancing thing and she's done this other thing and she's, yeah, yeah. He couldn't quite understand me, but he was like, you know, for someone who has no idea what you're doing, you did a good job. And I think I paid him about 400 and something dollars to do my taxes and everything that year. But he saved me a ton in figuring out what stuff I had spent on the business and how that could be properly allocated or whatever they call it. But so it was so nice. I was just like, wow, this is really nice to have somebody else who knows what they're doing figure it out for me. And 
I just felt like such a novice though. It was so funny. I had been filing my taxes wrong because if you are a regular W-2 employee, you do your taxes, you need to have them in by April 15th in the United States, typically. You'll get your W-2 from your employer sometime in January and then you have to until April 15th to get your taxes in. So I thought, same thing, right? No, turns out as a self-employed person, as a freelance contractor, I was supposed to be paying quarterly (laughs) and I had no idea. So I'd gotten laid off in July. Freelancing started to pick up for me around October. I probably should have paid some sort of quarterly thing in October, but I didn't know. You don't know what you don't know until you do. So luckily, the overpayment or whatever I needed to pay wasn't that bad. And now I knew for the following year, and he showed me how we would do these estimates of what I would make. And then, so basically what happens as a self-employed person, the IRS wants their money sooner rather than later. They don't want you to do a lump sum at the end of the year. They want to get that money from you as it comes in. And they don't have the sort of stability of you working with a W-2 employer and knowing that they're going to get that cut that your employer pays in all year. So they want it from you instead. So how it works is you're supposed to sit down and at the end of the year, you estimate what you'll make the following year. So you'll say, I think I'm going to make $50,000 from freelancing. And then you divvy that up into the amount that you should be paying per quarter. Let's just say it's $1,000 per quarter. Making up numbers here because I really don't know what they are. What happens is you then pay $1,000 each quarter. And at the end of the year, they decide whether that was too much or too little, right? If they go, oh, actually you made this much and you should have been paying $1,500 each quarter, then you owe them the extra then. If they say, oh, you actually only made this much and you owed us $600 each quarter, then they'll give you your 400 each quarter back, right? So simple. You estimate and then you sort it out at the end of the year. Again, I just want to repeat that this is my experience as a freelancer and I ramble and my thoughts shoot off in all kinds of things. So please just double check this with your state because also things in the United States can depend a lot on states you live in and all sorts of stuff like that. But anyway, just check up, double check everything. Basically, this is the path for someone who is a sole proprietor. Like you're just doing it on your own. You're not actually a corporation because things do change if you're filing as a corporation or whatnot. But overall, I would say the tax process was far easier than I expected and than I worried about. I thought that it would just be such a colossal mess, but it really turns out to be pretty simple. The reason I moved away from H&R Block and into a dedicated accountant who understood me, understood my business, is just because the second year of working with the gentleman from H&R Block, I could just really tell that he didn't understand my business at all. He couldn't really wrap his head around the idea of a girl traveling the world, needing her laptop, Wi-Fi, and a lot of online tools that I use to manage my business, but not having physical things for my business. Like he could not wrap his head around the idea of not having a car. <laughs> you know, like, do you use your car for your business sometimes? Like for commuting and stuff. Like, how do you you go see clients? How do you how do you how do you do anything? Like, what do you mean you don't have a car? <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh my gosh, like he's such a sweet guy. But there's definitely an age gap and a generational gap and an idea gap between like the fact that people can exist and run entire businesses solely online. Anyway, yeah, so grateful for him in those first few years. But then switching to the accountant that I have now was just a choice of the next stages for my business. But overall, if I had to go back and talk to my younger self who was worried about taxes, I would say, don't sweat it, just track everything. And by tracking everything, again, I am the queen of lazy. I am the queen of cheap. I do not pay for a bunch of softwares and stuff that I don't use. 
I tracked all my expenses from that first year in a spreadsheet. Simple. It was like, this is what's coming in. This is what's going out. Not a whole lot of complicated sorting to do. Didn't have fancy bookkeeping software. Still don't use fancy bookkeeping software. It's just about keeping things simple and organized and knowing where they are. And then yeah, a few times a year, mainly in January, I have to do this big, heavy, boring, don't want to do it, sort through all the stuff, but it has to be done. Another thing that you'll want to do that I found very helpful was separating out bank accounts early on. As a sole proprietor, you don't have to do this. You could technically have all your money mixed in, your business, your personal, your whatever. You don't have to separate it. For different types of business structures like an LLC or others, you will have to have separate bank accounts. So what I recommend people do is just separate it out from day one. Because again, you don't have to get fancy with it. You can get a business checking account. You can. I still don't know why you would. (laughs) I remember thinking, oh, I'm a business. I should probably get a business checking account. And I started looking into them and they charge way more than a regular one for not anything I needed at that small level of a business. So I'm like, why the hell would I pay $12 a month for a checking account just for to say business checking on it? You know, I didn't. So I had a simply a separate personal account, you know, opened another checking account with the bank I was already at and just nicknamed it. This one is my personal one that I do everything out of. And this one is the business one. So when clients paid me, invoices were deposited into that business checking account. That way I kept everything separate. Eventually, I did the same with my credit cards. I have everything separate because it just makes it simpler. I know that anything coming and going out of the business accounts are for business and anything going coming and going out of my personal accounts are for me, right? My accountant does not need to see my credit card statements and the random middle of the night impulse purchases I'm making on Amazon.com that you just want to keep your business and your personal life separate. I also don't want my accountant seeing how much I spend on like food, drink, and entertainment. It's disgusting sometimes, but because I live this lifestyle where I just travel full time and don't own very many clothes or shoes or purses or anything... That's where the bulk of my extra leisure spending goes to experiences and food and hanging out. And it's, but it, it can get out of control some months. In the beginning, you just keep it super simple. You know, now over the years, I have some business credit cards, but in the beginning, I didn't. I just had personal credit cards. So the fancy way that I designated between them was to get a black Sharpie and I scrawled a big P on the front of the one for personal and a big B on the front of the other one for business and just kept them separate that way. It's not hard. I find this pattern repeated over and over and over in life. It seems like people want things to be harder than they are. And I'm so guilty of this myself. You fall into the trap of thinking that you don't have what it takes to start something because you don't have everything fancy or perfect when really the basics will work. I don't know if you've seen the reel on my Instagram of me and how I record these podcasts, just literally sitting down, recording, looking out the window with this tiny clip on mic that I have, you know, when I used to think I needed a big fancy recording equipment and I needed a really soundproofed room and everything. Same thing happens with starting your business and setting it up. If you can keep it as basic as you can for a long time, it actually starts to feel like this inside joke, right? This running joke and like the smugness that you have of just watching other people with their big fancy things and their big shiny things. and They're spending so much money and you're just like, yeah, I sort of got some duct tape and some glue and I kind of fixed things and cobbled it all together. It's all good. Or maybe that's just me. (laughs) Separation in your business is really key starting out from day one because that way you just don't have to go back and unravel it later on. Your money comes into your business checking account. You pay yourself by moving money over into your personal account and that's just done. 
It's simple as that. Another thing I do want you to be cognizant of is some differences in paperwork and some differences in sort of some basic things that you may end up wanting to do in life when you are self-employed. So these things aren't an issue for me right now, but they may be someday when I decide that I want to settle down and stop, you know, just constantly traveling. Things like buying a house, buying a car, getting some sort of loan. These things can be harder when you are a self-employed person. Also, though, it depends on how much money you have stashed away, because if you show that you're good for it in certain ways, or you have assets to outweigh the risk that the bank is taking with some of these things, it can be a bit easier. But I do want you to be aware of that. The world looks at you a bit differently when you are self-employed. They see you as a risk, which is mind-boggling to me because the riskiest thing I ever did was having a job, which when they laid me off without warning, I then could not pay for anything. I couldn't pay my credit card bill. I couldn't pay my car. I couldn't pay anything. But for some reason, that's just how the world works. The world is set up to reward people for staying safe, having a safe job that pays you every two weeks on time. And they look at that as the epitome of stability. So you want to take that into consideration. You may have to get, hopefully there's someone in your life that you know and trust and can help you with some of these things. If you find yourself in a situation where you need to have a co-signer, you know, you may find yourself where you've got plenty enough money to buy a car, but they don't want to take a risk on you because you are self-employed. That's another thing. That's another reason why you want the separation of bank accounts, because when you go to apply for some of these loans and stuff, or you're getting into some situation where, you know, basically a bank is involved and they want to know your business, they will ask to see statements and they'll want to see things going back a ways. And you just want to have a separate, clear list of bank statements that are just your business stuff without all your personal stuff. So that's another reason why you want to keep things separated. I am well aware that I don't have these same things right now. Being a single person who travels and doesn't have, you know, dependents, I don't have a car, I don't have a house, I don't have these sort of things that require all of this paperwork. But you do definitely want to be aware of that. And if you're planning some of these major purchases or major things, just keep that in mind that you will be treated differently because you are self-employed and you need to know that from day one. I still think the solution is quite simple. Just earn more money. That's your proof. That's your backup because they assume self-employed to mean you're not quite making it. You're just struggling through. But when you can show up and go, no, look, these are my assets. These are what I've amassed. This is what I've got going on. I just am self-employed. You'll get a different reaction. But I do want you to know that and not be surprised by it when it happens. It has surprised me over the years. I forget, you know, I'm doing better financially than I ever was with a job. I have more in my retirement, more in savings. And yet anytime it comes to fill out some kind of a form where, you know, you have to check that you are self-employed and it has anything to do with money or stability, it definitely affects it. You have to prove that you are worth it, that you are viable, that you are making money, that you are not a high risk, <laughs> which is wild, but that's just how the way the world works. And I want you to be prepared for that. And I want you to make good choices from early on so that you can basically set yourself up in the best possible manner so that you can look at these establishments and basically throw them the middle finger because you're doing great. All right, that is all for today's episode. I hope it was insightful. As always, you can get a hold of me on Instagram at liveworktravelig, or you can send me an email to say hi at hello at liveworktravel.com. Thank you again so much for listening and I will be back next Monday. Mm-hmm.